You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome to Real Vision. It's Tuesday, September 29, 2020, just after market close in New York. This is the Real Vision Daily Briefing. I'm Ash Bennington. Today, we're joined by Tony Greer. But first, with today's stories, Haley Drasnan. Hey, Ash. Well, we are just hours away from the first presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Equity slipped on Tuesday with the market's attention focused really on how these two will perform. This first debate could be an important catalyst for investors to assess risks as market volatility continues to really be on the rise. Investors are watching the impact on tax policy and how long it might take to determine the winner. Investors have largely viewed Trump as favorable to Wall Street, while many expect that Biden will increase corporate taxes and tighten regulations. There's also a risk of a contested election, this idea that the results wouldn't come in for some time following the vote. And, you know, we're looking for some fresh comments from President Trump tonight as to whether he may or may not concede. You know, we heard him speak about that uh, last week. And so we, we need to um, monitor that to avoid some investor alarm. Another story that we're looking at, too, is uh, this stimulus package out of Congress. You know, with the coronavirus death toll around the world now exceeding one million, we're looking at how Speaker Nancy Pelosi's $2.2 trillion coronavirus relief bill that she proposed uh, with the Democrats on Monday. You know, how Speaker Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, they spoke last night about this relief bill, the stimulus package, and they're expected to continue talks today. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, you know, Senate Republicans, however, feel that this price tag still might be a little too high. Uh, those are some reports that are out there. So we'll, we'll see how this all plays out. Another story we're focusing on, despite all this uncertainty with the stimulus package and, you know, the debate is consumer confidence. Americans um, are really starting to feel uh, a little bit happier about economic recovery. Consumer confidence rebounded in September by the most it has in 17 years. The conference board's index of consumer confidence rose to 101.8 this month from 86.3 in August. So that's 15.5 points. This is the most since April 2003, but it's still below its pre-pandemic level. Although millions of Americans really remain out of work still, uh, people are returning to their jobs and the unemployment rate is declining. And, you know, some two-thirds of Americans, they rely on consumer spending. So uh, this is an important puzzle as we try and get back to normal. Back to you, Ash. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. TG Tuesday, Tony Greer, welcome back. Good to be here, my man. So, Tony, what are we looking at today? Kind of a slow day in markets, uh, slightly off, nothing down more than half a percent on the major indices. What are you thinking? Yeah, there's always stuff to talk about, Ash. You know, there's always stuff to go over. You know, I like to come into a week and um, not let the headlines change the subject on me. 
right? And come into the week and say, okay, those sectors that we were watching last week, energy and banks, what's happening to them this week? You know, the tech sectors of tech that were trying to rally last week, what's happening to them this week? So as we backtrack, we're coming off three negative weeks for the S&P coming into this week. We are, pull, we are pulling back to the 100-day moving average support level in the S&P, which is relevant, largely led by a pullback in technology. Um, we've got huge selling in the rearview mirror last week, which we discussed as evidenced by those huge tick index prints on the downside. And you look up at the calendar and here we are rolling into month end. And I think that that's what Monday really set up for. Um, you know, once again, we came in Monday to like Monday merger light uh, commentary. You could call it Cleveland Cliffs for Arcelor Midall for 1.4 billion, um, Caesars Entertainment for William Hill for 3.71 billion equivalent dollars. So this is the stuff that you like to see as a bull coming in on Monday. Um, more importantly, in the macro world, we had the dollar slide. We correctly identified. The March lockdown lows of the dollar at 94 and a half and the dollar index being a good resistance level for this big dollar retracement rally that has shaken things in the equity markets up quite a bit. So since we've got the dollar now pulling back again, we've got the commodity stocks giving us some tailwinds. So we've got the Aussie dollar recovering a little bit this week, the euro recovering this week a bit, and China's yuan recovering this week quite a bit. Um, and we came into a really positive day yesterday. You know, an 11 sector sweep, every sector in the S&P rallied a little bit to a lot. 93% um, breadth in the S&P and the NASDAQ, which is something that we were not getting on positive days, which is good. I'm going to tout um, some of the positions I like because XHB continues to perform when, when the markets are up. There was a two sigma rally yesterday trying to break away from support once again. A huge breakout in Whirlpool, which has been leading the sector. We saw two of the nail bangers, Pulte Homes and Lennar, rally 4%. So this is the kind of thing that we're seeing. You know, we had a uh, – you're starting to see these articles in Cranes now, for example, that talk about the inventory shortage in housing, the spike in the lumber price, and the intense competition for land among developers. And so this is just the kind of thing that you like to try to hang your hat on if you're looking for bullish areas of the market to trade that way. And so here's a fun quote from uh, Gene Myers, who's CEO of Thrive Home Builders in Denver. Ready, Ash? Right now, it's smart business, but that means continued shortages and higher prices. And to a commodity guy, man, that's music to my ears. You know, So that's how I'm trying to stay in that position. And then we come in today and very much, you know, like you said, a mixed bag. The bulls are hanging on this $2.2 trillion stimulus package. Um, you know, helicopter money delivered to our door is always good for uh, sentiment and for markets at the moment. We saw consumer confidence today at 101.8 versus 90 expectations. And somehow people are getting more confident, possibly as we put this virus behind us now, um, because I can't think of another reason, because we're still dealing with some pretty dramatic economic woes in terms of the employment situation. So it's confusing that consumer confidence is much stronger. But then the bears have got, you know, a million deaths global, excuse me. Yes, exactly. One million COVID deaths globally. Half of them are between the U.S., Brazil, India and Mexico. They had the bears had a four percent slide in oil and gas today. So where's the market going to go today? Unfortunately, for TG Tuesday, it doesn't really matter how excited we can get. You know, we've got to uh, try to make sense of what's going on here. So, you know, if you look at the tape today, you know, I just did a gander and I just want to see one thing. 
Yeah, gold went gold went out on its highs, which is nice to see because that's been leading the animal spirits indicators along with big tech. But today, you know, we see a positive day in gold miners and semiconductors and social media, two sectors, you know, gold and technology, which have been leading the markets. We see a negative day in everything oil. Once again, nothing new under the sun yet. Uh, weakness in industrial metals, weakness in banks. And we're heading into debate night with month end tomorrow. So my my guess is, and I'm just guessing, because, you know, given the facts that we have going into this b- debate, that things may come out looking okay for President Trump competing with Joe Biden. I'm not going to go much further into the politics, but maybe that sets up for a month-end rally tomorrow. That's the only way I want to look at it, right, in terms of what it means to the markets if the debate has any effect. And I'm trying to put the scenario together in my head, quite honestly, where the markets are pulling back right now into a support level and are going to get back on their feet and rally again, really honestly, for the same reasons that Julian Brigden put out in his awesome piece on Real Vision yesterday, Ash, if you got to see that. And, um, you know, I just love what he said about we're at a critical turning point in markets and in monetary policy. I love what he said about looking at our enormous debt levels and saying that the Fed has, you know, not much of another chance but to, you know, keep going with stimulus. He sees an acceleration of this deglobalization theme. He sees things as becoming very inflationary. And he sees the signals as pointing to belong the stock market. So, you know, we, we are currently seeing, um, I like it when I'm seeing things the same way as the 007 of finance, which I like to call Julian Brigden, who is a friend of mine. And um, so that's kind of how I'm you know, dealing with the early stages of this week, Ash. You know, we're trying to see how things pan out, but we've got month end tomorrow, you know, which is like a little bit of a hurdle to get over. And then we've got to see what happens in the wake of month end if portfolio managers were just buying them up, say, tomorrow for to close to try to generate, you know, a positive month or a less negative month in September. We're currently about 6% in the red for September, so it would be quite a ways to go. But maybe we can take a divot out of that tomorrow and rally on month end. But what else do you want to focus on, Ash? There's a lot to talk about despite the markets being quiet. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. Talking about the tail of the tape, one of the things that I noticed yesterday was that the leaders uh, were financials and energy stocks, both up 2.3%. Seems like we gave some of that back today. Uh, XLE, the sector spider for energy, off 2.75%. What's your take on that? Are we rotating into cyclicals uh, away from growth? What is the, what's the call there? What's your interpretation of that? My interpretation is that crude oil slipped on a banana peel. You know, that's really how I'm looking at it. We're still seeing the same pressure across the energy complex in terms of the stocks. We're still seeing the oil services names getting beaten um, as names that are still highly indebted, that are still, you know, having um, are, are not in recovery mode, just like the energy stocks are not in recovery mode. So I'm kind of calling it still nothing new under the sun in energy. But what's interesting to me, as, as I take a step back from the, from the charts and look at where we are now, we haven't gone below the March low in energy. You know, the March low in XLE was around 20. We currently are around $30 in XLE. So if we make a higher low now with all of this negative sentiment and all of this hating fossil fuels going on that we're seeing everywhere, you know, this will be interesting to see what happens with the energy stocks, because once they throw out the baby with the bathwater and nobody wants them, as we've said, somebody's going to come along and realize that everybody's still operating largely 
in a fossil fuel environment and that these yeah. stocks are probably have some valuable assets under the hood. And that's all I want to look at it like right now. Yeah. Uh, and what about the financials, Tony? Do you have a view there? You know, they are, they are kind of uh, along for the ride to me in the S&P. It didn't shock me that they got uh, negative. You know, the, the problem right now is that we've got zero interest rates and a very flat curve, comparatively speaking, for banks to deal with and make money on. So naturally, some of them are pivoting towards the Taliban and gigantic drug dealers. But no, I'm saying that just because of those FinCEN files that came out last week. And those are what is damaging bank sentiment right now. We see the European bank index crashing to, a, you know, almost, I think, or probably to a new low for the move, excuse me, with that um, new low in HSBC and that plummeting in Deutsche Bank that we saw. So financials to me are really just, you know, they're reacting to headlines. I, I don't see them getting destroyed on the FinCEN files. I don't see them rallying sharply with interest rates at zero. But I would imagine that if the S&P goes up, you know, if it has a year of, say, up 8 or 10%, that banks will be somewhere up a couple percent, just be along for the ride. But that's kind of how I'm looking at them to finish up this year. I don't think they're, they're neither leading nor lagging the S&P, if that's fair to say. Yeah. You know, talking about sectors, the obvious uh, elephant in the room, what are your thoughts on tech? Tech continues to impress me, Ash. You know, we look at it, we look to, to come full circle to say, you know, what are we looking at in terms of follow through? We had that SoftBank, um, excuse me, NVIDIA buying SoftBank's arm holdings for $40 billion a couple of weeks ago. I'm sure you remember we were talking about let's see how semiconductors follow through after the biggest M&A deal that we've ever seen in the sector. And once again today, as the market rotates, they were strong yesterday where all 11 sectors were up, semiconductors were up and leading on the day. Today, the market is rotating and the S&P is negative and tech is negative, but semiconductors are up on the day. So that's really intriguing to me that in the face of pretty much everything that we've seen thrown at tech, semiconductors are coming out of this deal between NVIDIA and ARM with buyers in the index. So that's relevant. Social media is catching a bid today. I don't think we can write off cybersecurity or software stocks. They're just consolidating today. And it seems like in tech, we have one of those subsectors pass the baton every day and take the lead in technology. So if it's not Microsoft and Intel leading software one day, it's NVIDIA and Micron leading the semiconductors another day, So or Texas Instruments or something like that. So within the rotation, to me, tech, you know, the NASDAQ pulled back to its 50-day moving average. The world was waiting for it to keep spilling over. It never spilled over. And we're seeing tech lead now on the days when there's a positive rotation. So I can't really, um, I can't write off tech for dead by any means. And most of these stocks are remaining in their uptrend and just testing moving average support. So nothing has changed big picture on my bullish view, broadly speaking, in technology based on charts and performance. You looking at any of the big names in particular, any of the FANG stocks, Tesla? Whew. Tesla's still scary to me. Um, I'm not going to touch that one right now. Um, I'm really not focused on anything but them as a group right now, Ash. You know, I'm right. trying to see if they're performing. I'm not trading. I took a swing. We made some money long Apple um, a couple of months back. Uh, I think that was the last trade I put on there. Um, I'm looking for another opportunity. I would buy Apple. I think if you, um, you know, gun to my head, pick a fang stock that you have to buy on the dip, I would definitely buy Apple into the moving average support zone. You know, somewhere I believe without looking, the 200 day moving average is down around 110. 
certainly if I saw a steep dip to that price, I would stick a bid in and see what happens in Apple. Um, but I'm not letting, uh, I'm not letting Fang really do anything, but just show me what's going on right now. I don't have a specific play in any of those names. Why Apple is your Fang leader, the one you're keeping an eye on? You know, I, I like the chart. I like the performance. I, I think that it's going to go down fighting, if anything, after this post-split thing. You know, we're, we're really, really concerned about the split in Tesla and the split in Apple marking the highs. And right now, whether we like it or not, as NASDAQ or tech bulls, we've got to pull back to the moving averages. And so far, that has marked the high. So we've got to respect it and respect those splits and those the effect that they have on retail because we saw follow through buying for two days and both of them after they split. And then we finally saw a capitulation day with Apple at 138 and then it fell back to earth. So when I look back at that and I see that Apple is the one that continues to, you know, just really trade on position balancing when the market gets too long of Apple and retail gets too excited and sentiment is redlined at a hundred Apple tops out and pulls back. And so now we're in that consolidation period. And it's really based on the fact of, of Apple's behavior and its leadership among the Fang names that I really kind of like that one the most, I have to say. I tried being long Amazon for a little while into the highs. That didn't work. It was um, you know, kind of like non, non-event in terms of a trade. I, I would take another shot there, but I just feel like I have a better chance buying Apple, which is falling into moving average support rather than buying Amazon, which to me is really testing it a little bit harder. That's all. It's kind of a matter of taste. Yeah. Talking of whether you like it or not, when we wake up tomorrow morning and turn on Bloomberg, there's going to be endless analysis about last night, uh, meaning today's political debate, Joe Biden, uh, President Trump. How do you tune that out? Do you pay any attention to it at all? Does it have any bearing in the way that you think about markets or sentiment? Well, it does because it has to. You know, Ash, we don't really want to talk about politics because it doesn't make us any friends. Um, if I were to just sort of separate out, you know, the opinion on it, I would have to say, you know, just sort of with with no emotion that I think if President Trump wins the election, that you will have a very difficult time getting your hands on the stock market for a couple of days, maybe weeks, because I think that there will be some kind of a market celebration there. I think if Joe Biden wins the election that there will be less celebrating because I think the natural concern for anyone, no matter who you voted for, is that the transition of power will go directly to Kamala Harris in short order. I think that they tried to socialize that on the news quite obviously in the same day. I don't know if you caught it, but they both said the Harris-Biden campaign, and that's clearly trying to clear the way for a tra- change in the transition of power if he wins. I don't think the markets will take well to that because I don't think she's particularly loved by Wall Street or or too many. She hasn't won a primary yet. Um, you know, I don't know how much public support she really has behind her. So I think that that would shake up markets. But in the end, I don't think that it changes the fact that the Federal Reserve is in charge of keeping its mandates together. As we know, the new mandate is to let inflation run back up towards 2% if they can. They're doing everything in their power to do so. Those are not the types of trades that we like to fight. And so, you know, this is just how I'm looking at the markets, you know, in terms of the politics, if we had to, you know, you buy the Biden dip and the Trump rally, I hopefully you're already positioned for, if that's fair to say. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right about politics winning nobody any friends in 2020. But taking the emotion out of it, taking the personal preferences out of it, based on your analysis, does that mean that a very strong Biden performance tonight, for example, would be bearish uh, sentiment for U.S. equities in the short term? Um, yes, I would be exquisitely concerned if Joe Biden suddenly came out like John Kennedy Jr. tonight and looked like a million bucks and sounded like a million bucks and started, you know, slaying the demons that President Trump is going to certainly throw at him. So if that were the case, I would my view would be shaken that it looks more to me like there will be another incumbent victory. And I'm not trying to be political. I'm trying to be an analyst here and have my money in the right place, quite honestly. So with with my um, sort of chips on the table in that position already, I will definitely be shaken by a tremendous Joe Biden performance tonight. And I'll quite honestly, I will feel better, Ash. Right. Like if we've got two more competent people competing for the office of president, I would be thrilled with that. But unfortunately, we've got two septuagenarians going at it tonight. They're going to be throwing mud all over each other. And God knows how it's going to come out. But I'm going to be tuned in to see it. That's for sure. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yeah, I mean, it would be great if uh, markets guys like us could totally tune out politics, but that's not reality. The reality is that sentiment is moving markets and sentiment is based largely on the perception of what's happening in the American political process. Couldn't agree more. It's it's very relevant now. As much as we don't want it to be as market participants, you know, it's like that uh, that gate that you've got to get through, right? We've all got to go climbing through this election gate as traders. And literally, I can't wait to have the decision known to have to watch what the markets tell us immediately, because when volatility and I think probably the speed of trading will pick up around Election Day and coming out of it, you usually get a really good indication of what the market wants to be betting on coming out of the election. Right. Like if you look back at 2016, we had that big dip and then the recovery. And it was very fast. And if you were able to, you know, get on the train and say, okay, put my politics out of it, a guy like Donald Trump getting into the White House is probably going to be positive, big business in any way that he can make it happen. You probably made a lot of money in the last four years, right? So we are going to be dialed in like, you know, the, the wildly focused traders that we are and study the markets right after the election. And, and we're going to see if we can get a good idea what kind of runway we're in for into the end of the year. But um, I'm hoping that it really agrees with the picture that I've got set up. I'm looking for a smooth transition of power and a rally out of the election. I'll be totally honest. Just a relief rally uh, away from the uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's going to be. And now think about this. If we have the relief rally away from the uncertainty and the traders that have put this huge kink in the vol curve by buying up October and November um, VIX futures, those guys, if they don't get a chance to sell that volatility into volatility bids, which would mean a descending stock market, they are going to have to sell that volatility into a volatility abyss with a rallying stock market. So that will be interesting to see how that plays out. I think it could be gasoline on the fire. And that's why that's kind of why I'm expecting the markets to rally right away in the case of an incumbent victory. 
Um, so th- this is how we're looking at the world, Ash. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's kind of an open book play. The chips are on the table. And if the dealer beats us, he's going to take our money and we're going to dust ourselves off and come back after Election Day. So gasoline on the fire to the upside as uh, those uh, those traders take off those hedge positions that are out of the money. Yep. I would imagine that they'd be left long December VIX futures or, you know, and they would have to just whale those into a bid if there's not a tremendous amount of volatility. We've already seen Goldman Sachs come out and say that, you know, the, the exaggerations of a uh, rocky transition of power are overblown. We heard, you know, Mitch McConnell come out and say that there will be a peaceful transition of power no matter what, you know, just like we've had in the last 220 something years. And some of that is really, you know, it's 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 reaffirming and reassuring as an American who just wants to see the loser leave the White House. And so we can you know, get on with the next phase of our lives. And I think that that's actually what's going to happen. I think that the transition of power story trades flat to the Mueller report story where there were 500,000 stories written on the internet about this facade story that we're learning more and more every day now turned out to be a big nothing burger. And so that was a big waste of everyone's time, but it generated a billion clicks. The, you know, rocky transition of power, President Trump not leaving office. I mean, all this stuff sells papers. And I'm the biggest seller of the idea that the loser isn't going to leave the White House. Yeah, I've never seen so many conspiracy theories on both sides uh, in my life as we have in the last, uh, say, six months. Couldn't agree more, man. And I think it's because we are wildly vulnerable to participating in after we participating in them after what we've been through for the last six months. You know, we were on the two week, we've got to flatten the curve so we don't overwhelm the hospitals. I've got friends that work at hospitals looking around going, dude, there's nobody here. And, and now, so no, I, you know, I've got my friends wondering why their kids can't play football. And I really, really, really sympathize with that. I really sympathize with that. So we're starting to turn American opinion on the virus now you know, to a point where it's like, hey, man, you know, people have got to get back to their lives. It's enough of the media trying to scare the crap out of everybody. It's enough of the third wave, man. If the hospitals are functioning, then we're going to take care of the people that get sick and we're going to keep plowing forward, man. I mean, you know, you can't stop the world for this. You really can't, given the facts that we have. I'm just glad I'm not the one who has to make the decision. Um, Tony, final thoughts as we head into the end of this briefing. Man, there is a lot of runway left just on this week, Ash. You know, September looks like it's going to be a big now, a big down month, right? We are heading into October where the market has crashed before, where we've got an election on the other end of it. So I think that we're going to have, um, you know, I think that the volatility is going to happen, quite honestly, in over the turn of this month. So I think that the volatility that we're going to see is going to be surrounded by the debate tonight and then month end tomorrow and then how this week closes out. I mean, there are so many scenarios that I could see how the week closes out. You know, maybe September rallies to being down only 4% on the month tomorrow or something like that in a shock and awe, close the books for month end rally. And then we come in on Thursday and they turn around and sell everything back out. That would not shock me. And imagine the kind of thing where, you know, we start off October in the green, you know, in a big rally and then sell off again and have a big negative October. That would be bad for the tape. It would slow down the bulls quite a bit. But 
you know, like I said, we've got to conjure all these scenarios and try to get ahead of what's going to happen. I'm going to say that we're going to have more volatility over this weekend, over the turn into October than we are into the turn in November. And so I've pared down some positions ahead of that and we'll see if it's a right decision or not. I'm just presenting my view. Yeah. Tony Greer, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Can't wait to be back, Ash. Thanks for having me. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.